Well, I asked for it, and boy, did I get it. On the last show, I asked you, especially those of you who voted uh, for uh, Trump and against uh, Biden, to tell me what you think Biden can do to help heal the nation, what Biden can do to convince you that he really means it when he says he wants to bring us together. And boy, did I get your responses. I would say uh, the vast majority of them basically said there's nothing, nothing we can do. We're so divided. Um, uh, some of you said, let's end the impeachment because that will further divide the country. And of course, breaking news this morning is that uh, Speaker of the House uh, Pelosi has now announced that she will rush the trial in the Senate by uh, sending the article of impeachment over on Monday, which by law requires that the Senate begin its trial on a Tuesday, uh, giving the president no real opportunity to uh, prepare a defense. Um, I know that uh, uh, he is trying to assemble a, a legal team. Uh, I'm not going to be part of the legal team this time, uh, though I strongly believe that it's unconstitutional to try a former president in front of the United States Senate. But there's a lot of business to be done before a trial in addition to preparation and uh, deciding who the legal team would be and uh, having uh, the, the people from the House prepare their presentation, which I, I guess they've been doing. The first question is who presides over the trial? The Constitution is very clear. When the president is tried, the chief justice must preside, must preside. Now, is this a trial of the president? He was impeached while he was president, but he's being tried while he's citizen Trump. I will be devoting probably more time in a future show to the constitutional reasons why John Roberts, the chief justice, cannot constitutionally preside and why the vice president of the United States, um, uh, Vice President Harris, probably should not preside because she may be the Democratic candidate for president in 2024. And would it be proper for her to preside over a trial which might determine who runs against her? That seems like an obvious conflict of interest. So before you can have a trial, you need a judge. You need a presiding officer. And I think it will not be John Roberts. I think if it were to be John Roberts, uh, it would be in violation of the Constitution. Let's see what Justice Roberts has to say. Chief Justice Roberts is a good and decent person. He's also a scholar of the Constitution. He's also written about uh, impeachment, and he also presided. And he was a very good presiding officer at the last um, trial. I know. I was there. He, he was the one who asked me the questions. He was the one who introduced me. So uh, I saw him in person presiding and doing an, an excellent job. I think everybody admired uh, his objectivity, his neutrality, I don't think he can be the presiding officer at the trial of an ex-president, a private citizen, when the Constitution is clear that he presides only at the trial of a president. We only have one president, and his name is not Trump. His name is Biden, and he's not on trial. So, flash forward, we'll be discussing that issue, obviously, 
probably on Monday, because that's when the articles of impeachment will be transmitted. Maybe we'll have an answer by then. Maybe the Senate has already been in touch with the Chief Justice. I don't know that. And maybe the Chief Justice has given them an answer. But now I want to get back to what the theme uh, of this show will be. Is there any possibility of really uniting our country? Is there anything that President Biden can do to assure the people who voted against him and voted for Trump, some 70, where I'm not going to give you the number because everybody's going to dispute the actual number, but the millions, tens of millions of people who voted against him and voted for Trump, how to assure them that President Biden is really going to be the president for all Americans and that he's going to try to unite the country and he's going to try to avoid divisiveness. And there are many, many things I think he can do. I'm drafting a letter to him in which I lay out what I think he can do and what uh, how I might be able to be uh, helpful. Uh, in any event, uh, that is for another time and another day. Now we're going to turn first to our callers and uh, viewers uh, who have recorded questions uh, or comments. Uh, I ask you to keep it to a minute. And I'll try to be brief in my responses so we can get to as many of your comments. Hopefully some constructive, many probably won't be so constructive, but we have to take into account everybody's point of view if we're going to reunite our country. So let's turn to our our first comment. Hello, Professor. I'm submitting my homework for today, and I also have a question. I think that um, for President Biden to unite the country, he would have to use his influence to stop the impeachment effort, avoid making big categorical changes to our government, for example, uh, in D.C. as a state, and try to keep the good things that came out of the Trump administration, for instance, the Abraham Accords. In short, he should listen to your advice, perhaps. I'd also like to ask you what you think um, President Trump could have done to unite the country better during the past four years. Thanks a lot. Hey, your homework gets a, an A+. Plus. Uh, great, great constructive suggestions. Of course, I agree with you that President Trump should move forward on the Abraham Accords, should build on the positive policies of the Trump administration, and should uh, end this um, impeachment fiasco which will further divide uh, the country. So far, what President Biden has said is, I'm going to leave it to Congress. I'm not going to get involved, but I think he can do more. I think it would really serve the interests of the country were he to say, I want to move forward. Uh, I want to do what happened with Richard Nixon. Uh, I don't want to have recriminations. He can quote Lincoln with malice toward none and charity to all. I think that would be the most important thing that he could do. And I think the most important thing that uh, Pelosi and Schumer could do would be to pull back on the impeachment. I think the impeachment trial will so divide the country uh, that it will create a, a rift that will be much, much harder to repair. But look, President Biden doesn't want to start his term by having a fight with Schumer and Pelosi. And so I suspect we're going to see the trial moved forward, unconstitutional in my view. We'll see whether the Chief Justice presides. 
But uh, what a great answer, and I agree with you completely, and I will certainly try to get the content of that answer um, to President Biden. Good evening. My name is David Jackson. I'm calling from California. I am just amazed that anybody would think that Joe Biden can do something to restore the unity of the country when he is, uh, uh, has been elected falsely. What he could do, maybe, but I don't think he will, is admit his election was fraudulent, confess to his life of crime, and resign, and find a way to keep Kamala Harris from becoming president. It's really a shocking situation that we've come into. Black, black days are here. I see no way for it to get any better as long as that man is pretending to be president when he is, his election is completely illegitimate. Sad, but true. Look, I'm not going to grade you because I disagree fundamentally with everything you've said. I think the election was fair. Uh, sure, there were some problems and there were some mistakes, but uh, Biden won by more votes than any president in history. Um, five million or so uh, votes. Uh, there were no discrepancies that would account for the five million difference. And in terms of the Electoral College, um, I have seen no uh, hard evidence that would show fraud or even mistake that would change the outcome. Uh, and so it's a non-starter. Um, uh, if you believe the president won the election legitimately, as, as I do, um, obviously Biden's not going <laughs> to resign and he's not going to try to prevent Kamala Harris from uh, uh, becoming uh, the president. She becomes the president if he resigns. Uh, you know, you, I, I am very opposed to um, disbarring lawyers who disagree with me. There are those many people who honestly believe this election was fraudulent. They honestly believe it to the core of their soul. I honestly believe they're wrong. But that doesn't mean that I have the right to uh, disbar you or downgrade you. I'm not going to grade you because I'm biased. I have my own uh, point of view on this. Um, but uh, the idea that uh, uh, we're going to undo the election is just not going to happen. Uh, let historians study. You know, I still think that the appointment of a VIP, a voter integrity panel, even now for this election, now that we have a new president and it's over, let there be a voter integrity panel. Let them look into the claims of fraud. Let it consist of objective, neutral people, um, presidents of universities, former justices, judges, so that we don't have to decide whether we believe CNN or Fox. We can look at the expert. Let's get a Dr. Fauci of elections uh, on board and see what really happened. And I'm confident it would show that the election was generally fair. There were problems, generally fair. There were states that acted unconstitutionally, Pennsylvania, and perhaps some others, but not enough to change the outcome of the election. So if we can get a scientific panel to resolve these issues, maybe even you will agree that the election was fair. And if the scientific panel concludes that the election was unfair, hey, then you have a real grievance and a real gripe. And you can use that to determine how you handle the 2024 election. But President Biden and Vice President Harris will be our president and vice president with all health 
considerations taken into account for the next four years. And let's all hope for the success of this administration, whether you voted for it or not. The success of administration determined the success of America, and we all want to see America successful. So appreciate your call. Disagree with it, but would never put you down or downgrade you because I have a disagreement with your empirical uh, assessment of what went on uh, in November of this year. My call today is in response to your question about what Biden can do to bring unity to our country. Um, I voted for Biden, and uh, I'm a Biden supporter. However, I worry that he's going to get swept away by the tide of identity politics. Uh, A week or so ago, he gave a speech where he said he was going to prioritize Black, Latino, Asian, Native American, and women-owned businesses uh, in respect to COVID relief. I'm not sure why he felt the need to use to use race or gender as a proxy for being disadvantaged. Uh, why not just say he's going to give help to the people who need it most? Um, anyways, thanks, thanks again for all that you do. Um, all right. Bye. I appreciate that. That's a, a, a great answer. Um, uh, another A plus. You know, it's. It's terrible because I I should have blind grading, but I don't have blind grading. And so I hear your points of view and your analysis, and it influences my grades. Probably shouldn't be happening. But I completely agree with you. I do think that uh, priority should be given to those who have suffered most, those who have lost businesses, those who have made the most sacrifices. We can have a series of criteria. Maybe the criteria would disproportionately help people of color or minorities, and that would be okay as long as the criteria are fair and don't reflect identity politics. I'm also concerned that there are elements within the Democratic Party that um, um, see identity politics as part of democracy and fairness. I do not. I think um, identity politics undercuts meritocracy and or it undercuts equality, and I would like to see us set out objective criteria for COVID relief, and those objective criteria should not be based on race, gender, or other aspects of identity politics, but rather on relevant factors such as the degree of suffering, the economic loss, the sacrifices, uh, where you are um, in terms of your business, the needs of the community, all of those are relevant factors. I think identity politics should not be playing a role. Professor Dershowitz, hello. Thanks for the opportunity to pass along a positive, um, unifying suggestion to President Biden. Uh, During the campaign, Joe Biden explained uh, to the public why he began his journey to the presidency. It was in the aftermath of the Charlottesville tragedy when um, President Trump said there were, quote, very fine people on both sides. And, And Joe Biden publicly stated as part of his campaign that uh, President Trump was describing neo-Nazis and Klansmen as very fine people. Uh, almost everyone in America saw Joe Biden say this, but a significant number of Americans also know that he omitted the rest of President Trump's remarks, including, quote, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally, unquote. As a result of Joe Biden's statement, there are two very large groups of people in this country. One large group only heard what Joe Biden said. They probably believe that Trump and Trump's voters supported neo-Nazis and white nationalists. 
The other large group knows that Joe Biden omitted Trump's remarks condemning neo-Nazis and white nationalists. They probably believe that Joe Biden intentionally omitted Trump's anti-Nazi remarks Mm -hmm. so as to falsely paint Trump and by extension his voters as pro-Nazi. So my request, I ask that President Biden issue a clarifying statement. I believe this will go a long way towards reconciling millions of people on opposite sides of the political divide. One large group will learn that Trump condemned neo-Nazis and white nationalists. The other large group will see that President Biden has corrected the record. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, that really is an A-plus answer. It's fantastic. And I agree with you 100 percent. Um, but it's the fault of the media. If you watch CNN, um, you heard one speech. If you watched Fox, you heard another speech. We, we live at a terrible time when everybody is entitled to their own facts. And you're not entitled to your own facts. You're only entitled to your own opinion. But it has to be based on the same facts. President Trump said there were fine people on both sides of the debate as to whether to tear down monuments and statues. He was right. There are fine people on both sides of that debate. I know some of them. I'm related to some of them in the South. My wife's family comes from South Carolina. I know fine, fine people who don't think statues should be torn down. I am one of those fine people. I don't think statues should be torn down. The Ayatollahs tear down statues. The Taliban tear down statues. It's un-American to tear down a statue. Should the statues be moved to museums and taken out of the central area of the town squares with explanations? Sure. But that's not what President Trump was saying. And I completely agree that it would be a very good thing for President Biden at an appropriate occasion to say, look, here's what President Trump said. This was important because this is what led me to run. This is what he said. He should have said this. I think President Trump should have done more. He should have done more to condemn the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists. Uh, There are arguments that people can make that there were dog whistles and that he didn't want to uh, condemn and what he said later about Proud Boys. There are ambiguities and there's criticism that can be made. But you cannot simply make up a story that says that President Trump ever said there are fine people on the side of Nazis or white supremacists. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. What he said is there are fine people on the side of both sides of the debate over tearing down statues. He was right about that. He condemned neo-Nazis. He should have done more. I've always taken the view that as a liberal, my job is to make sure I condemn the extremists on the hard, hard left. President Trump, as a conservative, should have gone to greater lengths to condemn extremists on the hard right. For that, I can criticize him. But I agree with you. I think it would be a uniting factor to help clarify. And because it's important, Joe Biden says that's why he ran for president. So he owes the people an obligation to clarify his position and to clarify what President Trump said. Look, if he does it, CNN won't run it. They won't run it. CNBC won't run it. Look, just the, the other day, there, there were, there were uh, statements made by both CNN and CNBC and MSNBC, I'm sorry, that 
just total lies. They just leave out things. They just report what they think will make their viewers and listeners happy, and they suppress anything which shows any kind of nuance. And so, yeah, I think getting the facts and getting them straight is a first step toward bringing our country together. Great answer. We need to agree on common facts. I don't have much faith in Biden, but uh, we need to agree on what the truth is, have the same facts. What I really sense on the left particularly is a lack of any kind of reason or, or common sense. So I think that's really what we need to do. I think Joe Biden himself is the big lie. He's based his campaign on the fine people on both sides hoax out of Charlottesville. So, uh, you know, that's not going to go anywhere with Republicans. Yeah, I think you need to acknowledge the Russian collusion hoax or, you know, this, we need to agree on facts. There's just too much separation of facts. Look, I, I agree. And this idea of disbarring lawyers or, or disbarring members of Congress because you don't agree with what they said, Adam Schiff said a lot of things that have turned out to be categorically, totally, and without any doubt, false. Uh, he claimed he had evidence of the Russian uh, collusion. Of course, the Mueller report uh, disputed that and, and, and said there was no evidence of Russian collusion involving uh, the Trump administration. But has Adam Schiff apologized? No. Has he been subjected to disbarment? No. If he were to be subjected to disbarment, I would support him. I would be on his side. I'd represent him if he asked me. I don't think lawyers should be disbarred for taking positions that either turn out to be false or turn out to be false in the view of bar associations. So uh, I agree with you. The facts have to be facts. And I do think both sides have an obligation to make sure the facts are out there. You know, when I argue a case in the Supreme Court or in the courts of appeals or in the district courts, I have a policy. I always tell the court about facts that hurt my client. And then I try to explain those facts away or argue that they're not relevant or argue that other facts are more important. But I always concede the facts that are opposed to my client's point of view for two reasons. First, I'm an honest lawyer. Second, it gives me credibility with the court. If I start out by saying my client admitted this or the evidence does support this, but I'm in a much stronger position than if I try to hide facts that don't agree with my presentation or my client's perspective. So I think every American is entitled to have CNN and MSNBC and Fox always lay out all the facts on all sides. Interesting, last night I watched a, a horrible documentary that's going to get great, great reviews uh, about the killing of, uh, of Khashoggi, the um, uh, Saudi Arabian uh, reporter who was murdered in cold blood by the, um, by the Saudis. No doubt about that. But this horrible, one-sided fake documentary uh, went out of its way to hide the truth about who this guy Khashoggi was. They made him out to be an angel. They didn't describe the fact that he is a supporter of terrorism, a supporter of Hamas, uh, a supporter of um, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, that he's been in bed with the Qataris, uh, that uh, he's been in bed with the Iranians, that uh, he has... Uh, uh, been in bed with uh, supporters of 
of those who would abolish Israel and see it destroyed by violence. We, the viewers of that documentary, had a right to hear that and then make a judgment, which we would still have made, that Khashoggi was murdered and he shouldn't have been killed and the Saudis were wrong. But I can't believe anything I see in that documentary because I knew the facts. I knew Khashoggi's uncle, Adnan Khashoggi. I represented him. I know the history of the Khashoggi family. Who are they trying to hide this from? Why won't documentaries tell the whole truth? Why, won't, why are they hiding things that make people seem like absolute heroes? There are no perfect heroes in the world except in documentaries. And uh, so uh, this is a problem that permeates everything on television, everything in the media. We don't have nuance. We don't have calibration. We don't hear both sides of issues. And it's appalling. And it's keeping our country further divided. So shame on the people who did that documentary on Khashoggi. And shame on those who distort what President Trump and others have said uh, over the years. We're all entitled to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I was calling about the question you had about how President Biden could actually mend the gap and gain unity within the two parties, uh, bridge the gap, if you will. And um, I think that he could make a sincere call out of the violence on the left for what it is and that it even happened at his inauguration at the same, you know, after his inauguration even, um, and extend an olive branch, extend that as an olive branch to the Republican Party and the Trump supporters and say, look, you know, this does not resent, represent all of us as the capital uh, rioters did not represent all of you, and I feel that that would be a a more positive message for him to convey in order to to heal the wounds, the deep divisions that are within the parties right now. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That's a great, great, great answer. I do think that uh, President Biden should condemn the violence on the left, the violence of Antifa that recently manifested itself in parts of the country, um, the violence that sometimes accompanies um, other demonstrations on the left. Uh, You know, when it comes to violence, we don't distinguish left from right. Violence is violence. And um, I think uh, both parties should always condemn all violence and always argue that the ends do not justify violent means. And I think that would be a good step in bringing the country together because I think the vast, vast, vast majority of Americans are opposed to violence from either side. What Biden absolutely has to do in order to show that he means it when he says he wants unity is to strongly reject the identity politics, which has taken over the Democratic Party. And he must reject the policies put forward by the radicals in his party. Um, The purpose of identity politics that I believe got him elected is to divide the population up into groups and then conquer elections. And uh, MLK stood for the simple concept of colorblindness, that people should be judged on the content of their character rather than skin color. But I've actually been called a racist for promoting this. 
Um, when I look around at my generation as a 25-year-old, I see 80% loud radical liberals who all wanted Bernie in office, but they settled for Biden. And they make every single political argument into an ad hominem identity politics argument. The other 20% are conservatives being silent because we have given up on having rational policy debates with people who call us racist and Nazis the moment they find out we voted for Trump. Look, I think you make a fair point. You've heard me say this before, but identity politics is the enemy of diversity. Um, if you want diversity, then you have to pick people with diverse ideas and diverse backgrounds. Yes, race is a factor in diversity, but it's not the only factor. You have some universities that want to have simply more people of color, all of whom have the same ideas. Now, that's ridiculous. People of color don't have the same ideas any more than Jews have the same ideas or Catholics have the same ideas or other groups have the same ideas. But uh, many university admission policies are anti-diversity. They don't want people who support the Second Amendment. They don't want Christian fundamentalists. They don't want uh, people who supported uh, Trump. In fact, some universities are trying to rid themselves of anybody who showed any support for Trump. That's the opposite of diversity. When I taught my classes at, at Harvard, I always looked for the most diverse student body. I wanted every point of view represented in the class, including very negative points of view, because those are points of view that many people in our society share, and students have to know them. So identity politics is the enemy of real diversity. It substitutes superficial diversity for actual diversity. And I'm with you on Martin Luther King. I want to judge people by the quality of their character rather than on externalities. Externalities matter because they can influence the quality of the character. They can influence the history of discrimination. All of those are factors. But in the end, we want the most diverse groups in settings where diversity really matters. And diversity is a question of the mind, the soul, the heart, the experience, not just the skin color or not just the language spoken or not just what uh, other uh, identity politics factors are. So I think if we dig deeper into the concept of diversity, we can come to a wider agreement as to how to accomplish it without accepting the superficial arguments of the extreme hard left. Remember, the hard left doesn't want diversity. They use diversity as an excuse simply to get more of them, more of them. Diversity for me, but not for thee. And that has to stop. If we want true diversity, it has to go beyond superficial identity politics. Hi, Ellen. Uh, this is Keenan from Colorado. Try number two. Uh, so for your homework assignment, here's what Biden could say today that would cause me to support him. Trump supporters are not bigoted, nor are they violent. They are working class voters who feel cheated by the system. If we don't acknowledge their grievances, I do not believe I will have a second term. Regardless of if America is ever great or not, we must make America great today. And uh, so that's basically it. And uh, here's my challenge to you. What are three things that Biden could do that you think are most likely to happen uh, that would cause you to no longer support him. You know, as they say, uh, a claim must be falsifiable to be useful. Thanks, Ellen, and love the show. Great, and it's a, it's a good challenge. What would make me not support uh, Biden is if he abandoned um, Israel um, and uh, failed to show support. I don't mean he has to accept all of Israel's policies. You can be critical 
of Israel's policies, just as I'm critical of both Israel's and America's policies in many regards. But abandoning Israel would be a red line uh, uh, for me. Um, I think if he were to give in to the squad uh, and uh, move the Democratic Party so far to the left that the AOCs and the Ilan Omars and the others would have a dominant role in the Democratic Party, that would uh, end uh, um, my support uh, uh, for him. And if he demonized, um, which he hasn't done and which he, he'll never do, demonize those who are opposed to him. Uh, I don't think he'll do any of those things. And so I think I will continue to support our president. Um, I think patriots generally should uh, give the benefit of the doubt to our incumbent president, whether you voted for him or against him, because he is now in charge of our country and the future of our country. And, you know, to use Joe Biden's homey phrase, give him a break, give him a break. Uh, Just listen. Uh, don't knee-jerk oppose him. Um, but there are things that if he went over a line, I could not support him. Remember, I threatened to quit the Democratic Party if they had um, uh, elected as the head of the Democratic Party somebody with a long history of um, supporting uh, the Reverend Farrakhan and anti-Semitism and other forms of uh, bigotry. They didn't do it, so I stayed within the Democratic Party, and I intend to do that as long as I can have any influence on marginalizing the extreme left of the Democratic Party. So, again, another great, great answer to my challenge. Boy, you guys are really doing your homework. And I, and I think you had a great idea. If there was some kind of partisan or nonpartisan or independent commission that was appointed to really look into the election and, and see what happened and when was it legitimate and, and or was it not, but uh, that should have been that that should be accomplished so that, you know, the millions of people who really question the election and rightfully so. I'm one of them mm-hmm. um, would feel like, hey, something's being done that's being taken seriously. I, I think unless and until several of those things happen, um, uh, you know, that there really can't be unity. So that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to make the comment. Thank you. So let me throw a challenge back at you. Let's assume that a commission is appointed. And let's assume uh, Justice Kennedy uh, agrees to serve on the commission and Justice O'Connor agrees to serve on the commission and the former president of uh, Notre Dame University uh, serves on the commission, um, uh, a leading uh, nonpartisan rabbi from New York agrees to serve on the commission, uh, a former presidential candidate of each party agrees to serve on, on the commission. Um, scientists, uh, Republicans, Democrats, people who don't vote, people who are independent, all agree to serve on the commission. And they come to the conclusion, which I think they would come to, that there was a small amount of voter fraud. There may have been some computer glitches. <clears throat> There were ballots that were probably not counted. There were probably ballots that were improperly counted. There were some uh, delays in accepting votes that were unconstitutional because they weren't authorized by the legislature. But in the end, President Biden was legitimately elected because if you put all of those things together, they don't account for the margin of victory in any state 
or certainly in enough states to shift the electoral college vote. Hypothetically, assume that this VIP commission or some other commission comes up with that kind of nuanced resolution. How many of the people who now strongly believe that the election was fraudulent and fixed and stolen would change their views based on that? I would hope a lot. I would hope if they saw the evidence laid out, if they saw that the machines were inspected, if they had scientists looking into all the allegations of fraud and technologists and others, they would come around to saying, you know, uh, there were some problems, yeah, but they didn't affect the outcome of the election, and President Biden is the legitimate president of the United States. But I wonder how many would still reject that. And that tells us that we have a problem on both sides, not just on one side. And so I favor the establishment of such a commission, even though I know it won't be 100% effective in changing people's attitudes. I was uh, replying to the question of what can Joe Biden do to uh, convince people that he means, uh, he means to unite. I think the most important thing would be, just like in a relationship, you have to say why the other person is mad, why conservatives may be concerned about the policies that he's going to implement and what is right about what conservatives want, even if he thinks it's the wrong policy to implement overall. When you give credit to the other side's values and what's important to them and say neither side is right, neither side is wrong, but on balance we need to go with my plan versus your plan, I think that would do a lot to convince conservatives that they are being heard even if ultimately we are making choices that don't go in their direction. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate your show. I appreciate your answer, and I think it gives me another idea. I think President Biden should probably appoint um, at least one or two people uh, to the White House staff, to other positions of authority who are conservatives and who voted against him and who voted for Trump, uh, maybe even some who supported Trump strongly, to try to bring them into the tent to try to show that the president's prepared to listen to conservative voices and pro-Trump voices, even in the White House itself, even people close to him. Now, he's not going to appoint them to be chief of staff. We know the chief of staff is a liberal Democrat, and he's not going to appoint them to the highest positions in the cabinet. He's already made most of those choices. But there are a lot of staff positions in the White House and having somebody whose outreach to conservatives uh, and who brings to him um, weekly a message of what conservatives are thinking might be a very, very important step forward. So I really appreciate your call. Thanks. Let's take one or two more calls, and then we'll go to a couple of Rumblewitz um, uh, uh, messages that aren't uh, verbal but are in writing, and I'll try to respond to those as well. Hi, Professor Dershowitz. My name is Zachary from New Jersey, and I'm answering your challenge about what Mr. Unity Joe can do to show unity. It's very simple, and I think a lot of people will say the same thing. Call up Pelosi and Schumer and tell them to knock it off with the impeachment. It's very simple. And for his press secretary to say today and yesterday that it's their, you know, Congress's duty to do whatever they want to do, it's not true. You're the leader of the party, and it's your position to tell them what to do and not to do. You want unity? Stop going after Trump. He's gone. He's playing golf. 
in Florida. I think many conservatives that have accepted that already. Let the man play his golf and move on. That's it. Thank you, and I look forward to your comments on this. I agree 99% with what you've said. What I don't agree on is that he can make them do it. He is the head of the party. He is the head of the government. Uh, and I think it would be enough if he made a statement saying, look, I want to move forward. Uh, I want there to be no recriminations with malice toward none. And so I urge um, Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Schumer, please not to move forward with the impeachment. That's my view. You have the right under the Constitution. We have separation of powers, checks and balances. I can't stop you from doing it. But if you want my opinion, that's my opinion. He's not going to do that because he doesn't want to alienate the base of his party um, so early in his uh, term. I don't know what messages he's been sending behind the scenes, but I suspect they are consistent with his public messaging through his press secretary. Namely, this is not a decision for the president to make. This is a decision for Congress to make. I think he could do more to push the impeachment uh, and trial uh, uh, off the agenda of the Senate. And I think that would do a great deal to unite the country. So I agree with you. Now we're going to turn to uh, three Rumblewitz answers from uh, viewers and listeners to uh, The Dirt Show on Rumble. We'll start with uh, Jay Gribble. Um, I'm not exactly a Trump supporter, but I think a good start would have been speaking out against the impeachment. That would have been both politically savvy and a legitimate step in moving toward uh, unity. What I'd personally like to see is embracing concerns on voter irregularities and pushing for legislation to make elections more secure and more trustworthy. I would also like to see him advocate for free speech and stand up to the big tech censorship. I agree completely with that, 100%. I do think that President Biden should take a stand on free speech. In fact, the only criticism I had of his <clears throat> inaugural address, which I thought was otherwise excellent, was when he said we should be listening to each other. Oh, that was good. He should have said, and... The big tech companies shouldn't be cutting off people and stopping viewers and listeners from hearing diverse points of view. I think that would have been a good thing. I also think that stopping the impeachment trial, which is unlikely to be stopped now that Nancy Pelosi has indicated she's going to send the article of impeachment to the Senate on Monday. I think that would have been a good thing, but I don't think we're going to get that. OK, so our next comment it's not a question it's a pretty strident comment from joseph is good doesn't unite with evil it defeats it well a statement like that you can hear from both sides uh you can hear the democrats saying the same thing we're not going to unite because they think they're good and they think the republicans are evil you know good and evil are matters of degree most americans are goodish some Americans are evilish. A small number of people are really evil, and nobody is perfectly good. Nobody is perfectly good. Goodish is the best we're going to get. And I think we have to recognize that this attitude of there is good and there is evil, that's what the left is saying, too. That's why we don't need free speech. We know we're right. We have truth, capital T, on our side. All, everything they say is false. That's not the way to unity, and it's not the best way to get to truth. The best way to get to truth is to be open. As the great Leonard Hand once said, the essence of liberty is not 
being so sure you're right. And I think that's an important point that we all ought to remember. The final Rumblewitz uh, question for today comes from uh, Landon. Easy, he says. All Biden has to do is to show that he legitimately won and everyone will be fine with it. But ignoring and suppressing the idea of voter fraud only makes us all suspicious. Yeah, uh, that's why we need a commission. It, it, it's not good enough for people to say uh, it was all fraud or it was all perfect. You know, I remember CNN one night saying that every single vote was legitimate. How could anybody know that? That's reporting. That's just wishful thinking. Obviously, there were some problems. And obviously, those problems should be addressed. And I do think, therefore, that an independent commission, both for the future, but I'm happy to have it look back at this election now that it's over and we have a sitting president. We should never be afraid of the truth. And if it were to turn out, I don't think it would, but if it were to turn out that the election somehow would have been different had the fraud not occurred, we have a right to know that. And then we could decide what remedial steps to take, either for the future uh, or even for now. But I don't think we're going to get that result from an objective study. But here I am expressing my own uh, biases moving forward. But I'm not afraid of the truth. Let it come out. Look, this has been a great, great class today, uh, giving you the opportunity really to take over the class and uh, respond to my homework assignment and make your comments, ask your questions. Brilliant, brilliant questions. This is an A-plus uh, class. Uh, this is an AP class, uh, advanced placement. Uh, uh, you're all uh, terrific. I didn't agree with everything that was said today. But it's so important to hear all sides of every issue. And you're always going to hear all sides of every issue on The Dirt Show. And I'm going to try to get some of your comments to the White House because I think it would be very important for President Biden and those around him to hear sensible, conservative, thoughtful, pro-Trump views that have been expressed. You can disagree with them, but give them a hearing. You cannot create unity without hearing what the other side has to say. You will always hear what all sides have to say if you listen and view The Der Show on Rumble on YouTube and on other platforms. Looking forward to seeing you. We'll talk about impeachment because the trial's going forward next week. And so it will be a very exciting week. I think not a good week for America, but an exciting and interesting week when the articles of impeachment are forwarded on Monday and when the trial, as is required, really begins on Tuesday. We'll see who presides at the trial. We'll see if there are witnesses. We'll see who the lawyers are. There are a lot of things that we will learn starting next week, and I hope you will learn them with me on The Dirt Show. An important part of The Dirt Show is your voice, your questions, your comments. Please call 24-7. The number is 216-710-0050. Keep your comments short and to the point. Again, the number for you to call 24-7 is 216-710-0050. Hard questions, criticisms, everything's fine. Just keep your questions short and I'll answer them all on The Dirt Show.